Hi everybody, I'm Sal, and you're listening to the Elseworlds Exchange, brought to you by Comic Pop. Go to comicpop.net for all your YouTube comic book needs. This episode in particular is brought to you by TeePublic. Go to tpublic.com slash store slash comic pop and find yourself an amazing t-shirt with a really, really great design on it. Some of those designs are made in-house by us here at Comic Pop, including our Comic Pop logo t-shirt, an Ultron t-shirt, and a Head Crabs from Half-Life t-shirt. They're really, really fun designs. You should check them out. They also don't have tags, the... Sizes are printed on the back of the shirt, so you don't have to worry about that uncomfortable tag stuff. They're really comfortable shirts. I would not shill for these guys if I didn't already have a mess of their shirts that I purchased myself. I like them a lot. Check them out. Go to tpublic.com slash door slash comic pop and find one for yourself. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland comes a friend of the unfortunate, enemy of criminals. A mysterious, all-powerful character, a problem to the police, but a crusade of the law. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Elseworlds Exchange. I am Sal. And I'm Joel. Yeah, we're talking today about comic book adaptations, because I read some news yesterday regarding the Walking Dead premiere, and Mm -hmm. it blew my mind what kind of outrage we were experiencing, (laughs) given the lead time we had for (laughs) what was happening in the episode. You're uh, you're gonna have to explain this to me because as we were talking before we started, I have this kind of blind spot when it comes to The Walking Dead. I stopped watching the show because I thought it sucked too much, and I stopped reading the comic because I was getting too depressed about it. it. Is, Love the games though. It's a terrible comic book. I hate The Walking Dead. Uh, I think that it's meandering. I think the characters are overly simplified or unnecessarily detailed. Uh, I don't think there's a there's a Bible or a plan in place there is no there there is no rudder for that comic and while that's a fun experiment i don't think that makes for good storytelling and i put myself to task by by reading the first like 90 issues of the walking dead (laughs) by being like fuck it i'm gonna read the whole goddamn thing up until a certain point and i got to the certain point and i went that's the end of that and i just stopped I liked it quite a bit when it started, you know, I'm just like, man, you know, this is cool zombie fiction because, you know, it, like it got big at like the height oh, of yeah. zombie fiction when it was in and, you know, and even I couldn't get enough at a certain point. But then it really did hit me. I'm like, wow, this is an endless parade of misery. Emphasis on the endless because the show has gotten popular now. Kirkman's never going to end this, will he? No. I mean, he will. No, there's no question that Kirkman will end it. It's just that he doesn't know how to, and he doesn't have any plan for one. He um, probably would have ended it before now, were it not for the popularity of the show, Oh, I'm no sure. question. I mean, it's just such a big check. The other thing is, I mean, there was a huge time jump recently, like within the couple, oh. past few, a couple of years, uh, where they were like, let's do five years later. Because he'd written <laughs> like himself... Like some Naruto into, shit. He had written himself into such a corner, he was like, ah, I'm going to have to jump ahead. Uh, and damn... Like, who cares? Uh, but anyway, uh, the outrage is that the, the season finale ended with Negan. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. what an interesting and fun and compelling character he is. Uh, bash someone's brains in with a bat. And, but we didn't uh, know who, right? And everyone who didn't read the comic book knew who it, didn't know who it was. And, uh, and in the show, they did a bait and switch where he beat Mm -hmm. someone to death, and it wasn't the person you expected, and then he beat the person that you were expecting to death with the bat after that. And everyone went, boo! Because not only was it a bait-and-switch, but it also was the bad decision that they pulled in the comic book that nobody liked and caused a lot of people to leave. Uh, And that was, uh, yeah, and that's what happened. And I'm reading, like, 
Variety. I'm reading uh, Vogue. I'm reading like Rand, mm-hmm. like USA Today, and they're all all the big ones. They're all just shitting themselves over the fact that like they, that they did this. That number one, they killed the most compelling character in the show. Number two, that they uh, that that they were they would dare to trick you into thinking that they weren't going to do it, and then did it anyway. And it's like fuck you. That's I, what they I, do. I feel even I feel even better now that I dropped out of this show when I did, yeah. and did never looked back. Yeah, I don't. I, I didn't get into the show because I was like, well, if the show is, they're like, no, 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 the show is just like the comic book. I'm like, oh, cool. Then I know I don't <laughs> have no interest in it. Uh, the, the first season is just like it until the last couple episodes where they go off script and then never come back. Yes, uh, but the, it sounds like they're getting back on book, as it were, uh, mm. with this. But the but the fact is, this is um, this is this is a comic book adaptation. This is in in its in its most flashy. Uh, world attention grabbing form and Mm -hmm. it's funny how you know comic book adaptations are held to such weird standards it depends on on what era it takes place in for whom it is marketed and uh, how well executed it is and what kind of secret it is being kept whether it actually is an adaptation or not Uh, all of those factors will determine the success or the failure or the middle-ranging of a comic book adaptation. It's just funny how it's like, here's one, here's Walking Dead, and people are like, I love it, it's a brilliant comic adaptation, until it does something that is just like the comics that you don't like. And then all of a sudden, it's garbage. And it's just funny how that turns out. But what about Durl, Sal? Is Durl okay? Oh, God. Who's not in the comic? No, people forget that. He is an original creation. And talk about a character who has the greatest insurance policy ever of being popular so they'll never die. Yeah. No, they'll kill him just to just to spike ratings. I mean, like, he is their he is their guaranteed next season kill. Oh yeah. For me, the it's funny like thing ab- Yeah. Even when I was watching the show, and I'm like, man, you know, nice to see Norman Reedus getting some work. Yeah. And then to see Durrell slowly but surely become the poochie of his own show. Look, when Durrell's not around, everyone needs to ask, where's Durrell? <laughs> Next season, Durrell needs to be louder, more in your face, and have access to a time machine. That's right. <laughs> he might as well. He literally became that guy. Yeah, he lit- He basically is poochie. Um, but it's it's it made me think about like all the comic book adaptations that are out there and kind of like the approach and like so I thought we'd look at a few you know not all of them because there are so many we would be here all day exactly but let's look at a few just a few like well, th- just a sampling throughout the years the one let's, that uh, let, let's ask this before we go yeah. any further what in your mind constitutes an adaptation and what's just picking and choosing ideas from source material for me a comic book adaptation is you take the uh the source material is from a comic book it's from an established mm-hmm. property and okay. you are legitimately at adapting it and turn and 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 bringing it to life on the screen uh i i liken it to the uh best screenplay adaptation oscar category in mm. that we took this pre-existing thing and then we made it as much as possible for this other format now with right. all the things that work or are intrinsically tied in with 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 literature or specifically with comics, you know, we can't always do that. It's why Watchmen was considered to be unfilmable for such a long time. Um, and for some, still is considered to be unfilmable. But, yeah. like, the fact that Watchmen is a comic book and it capitalizes on comic book-isms and the medium itself in order to succeed, we're going to have to 
change some of those things in order to make it transferred into movies or television. Uh, that's fine as long as you preserve the integrity of the original artifact. Um, right. So yeah, I think like whatever the criteria is for best best screenplay adaptation, I think is an adaptation. Like right. okay. Batman nineteen sixty six, the TV show. But uh, <laughs> it's more or less a straight up adaptation. Except it's, it's indicative it, of what was in the comics at the time. Well, not that time. At that time, Neil Adams I, was starting to gain his footing, and it was like <laughs> Batman was more serious and cooler than that show in the right. time it came from. But it it picked. A, a, a point where Batman for them stopped, you know, like Batman was grim and serious and he was born from tragedy. And in the, I think the first episode of the Batman 66 show, they established that Bruce Wayne is an orphan who is avenging the death of his parents. So I, I, I watched that first episode just recently because they put them all up on Netflix yes. and my dad was over and my dad loves that version. Man, that first episode is shockingly kind of serious because like a young girl dies on, you know, Adam West Batman's watch wow. and he ends the episode like looking all sad being like, yes, Robin, we saved the day. Oh, but of the life I could have saved. And I'm like, shit, they never got this serious again. That's legit. Like, that's Batman. Um, but, you know, and that was, that's pretty in keeping with the character. But then later, they get to, uh, you know, Batman in space and Batman 2 and Robin 2 and Kathy Kane and all these other bullshit. Uh, and when I say bullshit, I mean golden age hilarity. And the, the show takes a hard left into something else. Oh, yes. And it winds up influencing the brand for the next forever. Uh, but that said, you know, like, I think that Batman 66, the first, it, it was one, it was, well, it's not the first, but it's certainly for a lot of people, uh, their first exposure to Batman. And it's the, yeah. it, it's a, it's a pretty self-explanatory adaptation. Um, it informed a generation for better or worse. Yeah. And they drew from the material. It wasn't like they just started make, they, they did make up a couple of villains, but they didn't. Just... In, in the third season, it, once they used up all the ones people knew, it was all made up villains for season three. But they did start with the real villains and they kept them. It wasn't like they went, okay, well, we don't have to do Joker anymore. That's stupid. You know, like, they used Joker, Catwoman, Penguin, Riddler, Clock King. Like, they used them all. And you're like, okay, cool. Like, you're using his villains. He is de he is a detective. Like, on paper, Batman 66 is a pretty solid adaptation. Batman yeah. is born from tragedy. He has a young ward named Robin, who is also born from tragedy. The two of them put on colorful costumes and fight villains. Here's the Drive names of the all Batmobile. the villains. They have a Batmobile. They have a Batcave. They have Bat shark repellent it's all pretty much within the the confines of an adaptation even though it is a grotesque like kitty version of what we know batman to be well we say it's a kitty version yet wasn't that like prime time back oh in yeah the day? oh no it was for, <laughs> yeah i say it's for kids because i mean like god in heaven look at that show but uh yeah it was on during prime time um, when i was a kid uh it was on during the day yep same. so you know, I by the time it came out in the like in the much later years, you know, the nineties and such, uh, when they started rebroadcasting it again, uh, they knew what the demo was. Oh yes. It was and actually it's funny because it actually I, I think it recaptured the old demographic too. It's like we captured a whole new group of kids that didn't have any experience with Batman. Yeah. Unless it was uh 1989's Batman, which is another adaptation that's yes kind of like that's like again on paper pretty much batman every movie version of batman is almost qu not quite 
a literal adaptation of Batman. It's it's true. They pick up the weird idiosyncrasies of like whoever directs them. Like especially in the sequel. Oh yeah. Like you know, uh, Batman Returns. There is just pure Burtonism through the lens of Batman. Dark Knight is pure Nolanism through the lens of Batman, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I would say that Dark Knight Rises is more indicative of Christopher Nolan. Like Dark That's Knight is a good Nolan movie, but Dark Knight Rises is like Nolan wanted to do a movie about like a city under siege. Like he likes that. He wanted to do this, and he couched it in Batman stuff, which is why Batman's not in the movie <laughs> for a good chunk of it. Yeah, um, but then of course you look at the uh, the Chris Reeve Superman movie, which is yeah. another odd. Uh, adaptation it uses the 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 Moses story at least you know like the doomed boy rocket ship kindly couple we got all the first four well if you cut out all the Jor-El stuff the first 40 minutes is pretty Superman mm-hmm. oh, yeah. but the crystals <laughs> the Lex Luthor the, the schemer from Shining Time Station character <laughs> uh, and the the you know all that all this other random stuff about Krypton is kind of just Rick Dick Donner fucking around. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it was enough. Like the suit What's... right on. Oh, 100%. definitely. The, the curl, all the other stuff. What I like about the Chris Reeve Superman movie is how it's funny how you can see how they kind of Frankensteined all these different genres of movies yeah. and made it work. Where it's like you got Flash Gordon science fiction. You got screwball in the city comedy with Lois and Clark working yeah. at the paper and everything. You got like Dust Bowl, Mon Pa Kent out there on the farm. And yet they make it all work and it all fits together like yeah. this puzzle, like it was always meant to. Well, that's where I think that comic books, if they are in their purest form, work a la Shakespeare, where you can mm. set it at any time period and you can set it in any location as long as it's as long as it mirrors all the things that work. You know, like Batman being an orphaned boy born from crime, those are things that could ex- you could have it you could have Batman in Greco Roman times. Yeah, you could have Batman in the far flung future. It doesn't matter. Which we all, have, all, you know, it all works. And Superman's one of those things where it's like, as long as I get all the tenets right of the character, then I can I can take some leeways here. What's interesting, of course, is that like both the '66 ber- version of Batman, the movie version in '89 Batman, the Chris Reeve Superman, all of those more outward, larger-than-life, multi-billion-dollar media versions of the characters influence the comic books Oh yeah. in turn. So it's kind of funny. Um, another, like, what other what other adaptations do you have in, where you're like, okay, this is a comic book adaptation? Because I got a couple where it's like, this is a this is a comic book adaptation, and it's in, in its purest form, but yeah. they kept it kind of under wraps. Like, they didn't advertise it back then because it wasn't hip to do so. Like, Road to Perdition. Oh, yes. Yeah, Road to Perdition. That's definitely on my list. The Crow, the which we've talked about many times before. The Crow literally, like, you. everybody who enjoyed it, I guarantee you, most people who loved The Crow never oh, read a single comic book in their life. Oh, of course not. They were not. just like, no, I'm, I'm just feeling blue, and I love ripped jeans. And that soundtrack is fucking baller. Yeah, it is. No, it's... Also- uh, two in that same vein, Men in Black. That's another one people don't know is based on a comic. Yep. History of Violence, Men in Black, Road to Perdition, all these movies that they kind of kept quiet. The only time Ghost you knew was... Ghost World. Ghost World. Uh, I, they, they keep them quiet until the opening credits where it says, like, based on a Malibu comic. And you're like, 
huh? Did I just catch something here? <laughs> um, we already saw Top of the Crow. But uh, the what was the other thing? Uh, oh, Road to Perdition was funny. That movie was so perfect. Sure was. It was unbelievably cast. It was unbelievably, impeccably shot. Uh, that was the last movie for Conrad Conrad L. Hall, which is a beautiful and perfect cinematographer. Uh, Paul Newman's la- one of his last movies, not his last oh, movie, yeah. I think, but his one of his last movies, if not his last movie. Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks kind of playing a bad guy, which you never really see. No, it's true. What's his name? Uh, Bond. Uh, Daniel oh, Craig, Daniel Craig is great doing a little American accent. It's just haunting. That kid who played the son is great in it. They're fantastic. Uh, yeah. And great score. Great. It's everything. And yet they were, you know, that studio is like, don't let anyone find out <laughs> that this is a comic book or they won't take it seriously. It's a prestige picture. Yeah, kids. there's a it's real a picture here we're doing here, folks. Um, no, no, comic book movies look like that Stallone picture where he has all that hockey gear on. You know, the one I'm talking about. The one about <laughs> the law. <laughs> that one. Uh, Judge Dredd. Tank Girl. These, The Phantom. Oh, yeah. These are comic book movie adaptations, which, hilariously enough, are pretty literal. The Phantom? Pretty literal adaptation of The Phantom. Yeah, I, really. I posit that The Phantom just kind of sucks. And that's why it didn't work out. <laughs> that's why it's not good. The, the Phantom is just kind of a boring character in the in the scope of everything else. Like, so what are your powers? I don't have any. I am the ghost that walked. Yeah. That's my power. What the fuck does that mean? Uh, it means that my dad gets busy. <laughs> it means that all of us have to have sex at some point in our, like, late 20s. Wow. Talk about an- another hero that they eventually put in the far-flung future. Do you remember, like, they did the Phantom 2099? Oh, that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. That's where that was my first exposure to the Phantom. Oh, same. Which is why Billy Zane's The Phantom was such a joke. Cuz I'm I'm watching the the Phantom 2040, which is like a boy on Flux show, mm-hmm. and suddenly this crappy movie that looks like Joel Schumacher like was just trying things. It wasn't him, by the way. I'm just saying, I'm making a joke. I'm liking it to those terrible Joel Schumacher Batman movies. It just looks so terrible. And it was like, no, if you want to see the Phantom, you got to watch Phantom 2040. That's some yeah. serious heavy shit. Um, but yeah, uh, but there's some. It, it's just funny how it's like, if they wanted to make a serious picture, they had to hide. The fact that it's origins. Oh, yeah, that's that, that was a big thing for a long time. Yeah. You know, movies embarrassed of their comic book roots. And I think it's something we're really only starting to overcome in yes. this day and age. You, I would almost say that we're we're swinging in the other direction. It's like, uh, what was it? I remember Steve Niles created 30 Days of Night because he wanted to do a movie of 30 Days of Night. And nobody mm. bought the movie. So then he make it, made a comic book. It's it's how Cowboys and Aliens got made, by the way. Same yep. exact thing. Um mm-hmm. Just by the way, more no, Cowboys and Aliens, more nefarious and bigger horseshit. But indeed, uh, but with, I, I, I like Thirty Days of Night. But Thirty Days of Night, I think it's one a better comic, which is ironic, and two, yeah. uh, it has gl- it has sh- glimmers of great ideas. Once those fucking vampires start talking, <laughs> no God, no. That's fine. But when they start speaking their silly moon language, it's like, all bets are off now. I don't give a fuck about you stupid, crappy vampires. First Damn of all, they're, they're there to eat people, right? They're there to, like, feed for months. Eat everybody. But they're there to, they're there, they ate everybody within the first 12 hours. 
what do we do now? Fucking cheesy. Why would they do that? Why wouldn't they just? Why wouldn't they just show up any day? Why would they? Why would they need the forty, the thirty days of night? They only it killed everyone within a day. <laughs> <laughs> they were better than they thought. They underestimated. Yeah, I guess because they're just so efficient at killing people as quickly and as efficiently as possible. And then they spent twenty nine more days hunting down four people. Are you fucking yep. kidding me? If I were a vampire, I'd be like, I'd be, I'd be pretending to be the grocery store manager. Like <laughs> I'd have full run of this crappy bullshit cold town. No, I gotta pretend. I I gotta. I ugh, those vampires, man, with their with their stupid matrix jackets and their boat. <laughs> uh, I love they look like night. weird Euro trash. Did you ever see the sequel? I never saw the no. sequel. <laughs> no, who, you know who wants funny? to see the sequel? You got it done in the first one. And there's like a thousand. But what's hilarious is there's like a thousand Thirty Days a Night sequels in the comics. Really? Oh yeah. I did not know that. Oh no, there the sequel is the lady who survives tries to like she creates an advocacy group that try to raise awareness about the existence of vampires <laughs> and vampires like go and like give her and like and like try to rattle her into shutting up uh-huh. like they go to her rallies and like oh we're gonna kill you if you, if as long as the sun doesn't come out it's <laughs> like fucking no that sounds not great yeah but like then you look at uh, oh but anyway my point about 30 days a night was simply that if if he had just wanted to sell Thirty Days a Night as a, as a script, he would have had zero control. He would have had zero influence. It would have been completely changed. The ending would have been different. Uh, it, it wouldn't have been as grotesque and horror and horror inducing. It would have just been a weird, stupid movie that would have been forgotten. Yeah. But because it came out during the big boom and the big like studio gobbling up, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, believe it or not, actually kind of covers this pretty well. Where all these studios are like, oh my god. Spider-Man did well. Get me everything and all Every these properties. Every comic book related thing. Yeah, just I don't got care what it is. Up. You got a big budget Green Hornet movie somehow. Like did. this came out of that. No one likes it except for that amazing James Franco scene in the in the beginning. But uh, not anyway. even Seth Rogen likes that movie. Yeah, because he made that movie. That's his movie. <laughs> Seth Rogen openly mocks that in This Is the End. Good. What a bad idea that was. Yeah. But that said, uh, because of that climate in the movie industry, uh, 30 Days of Night was suddenly, it was it was cool to be a comic book adaptation. And so they gave Steve Niles even more creative control than he ever would have if he had just gotten what he wanted in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, I, I would argue that that was probably not a good idea. Uh, and it's funny how you look at the, these kinds of things. Like... Um, by the way, we talked about uh, Tim Miller and Deadpool and leaving Deadpool and everything. Ugh, so sad. It turns out that Tim Miller was gonna fuck it up. Really? The rumor is this is this is this is unsubstantiated. This isn't necessarily substantiated, but the fact is apparently that now that Tim Miller got the bug for a, for major success, he wanted to right. make the movie even bigger and more expensive and use more Hollywood tropes and starlets like that's why he went for i heard the term more stylized which could mean anything who knows what that means but like as i understand it the way it was was tim miller wanted to go bigger Mm. and and he wanted to go more hollywood with it Mm. and it's why he picked like that young dude to play cable it was, it was indicative of a larger problem that like Tim so he Miller was corrupted got, by success and money is what you're saying that like the thing that we were really worried about happening really almost happened still could because who knows what's gonna who's gonna take over for for Deadpool mm. but I'm just saying like it's funny how what what happens when you know 
a little bit of success and a little bit of like notoriety comes your way and how it it could change the whole adaptation process. I mean, yeah. uh, I, I did you read that? I read that there was a there's a petition to get Quentin Tarantino to direct Deadpool two. That's never gonna happen. Never ever in a ever million years. That's cute that you think that would happen. Yeah. I'm it's sorry. cute that you think any internet petition actually gets things done. Never gonna do anything for you. I'm sorry. Um, but anyway, what, uh, what's another adaptation that you're like? This is an adaptation. This is a good adaptation. What's a good adaptation you know, for you? You know what? This might be a bit of a blanket statement, but we're gonna get around to this anyway. All the Mark Millar uh, oh. Vaughn adaptations. Not only do I like them in many ways, I think they're better than the books they're based on. Wanted. You're talking about uh, Kickass. Yep. I definitely argue Kickass One is better than the comic book. Because mm, they changed the ending and actually have it be, you know, a little bit more hopeful than the crushingly horrifying comic. Kick-Ass 2 is a dumpster fire, but Kick-Ass 1 That's, is pretty See, solid. I kind of like the message of Kick-Ass 2 where they're like, look, you know what? It's not crazy to want to be a hero. It's crazy to not want to be a hero, especially right after Man of Steel in the same year. I'm like, wow, That's this true. movie is more hopeful and uplifting than Superman was. That's true. That's true. My my issue is with, the, with Kick-Ass 2, it was... It was really spit polished, and everyone in it was kind of like going through the motions. Like nobody really, That's fair. nobody really nailed their role. Even uh, even Chloe Grace Moretz wasn't yeah. really going for it the way people were like, "This chick is going places." Where the first one was kind of like punk rock in its weird way, where it's like, you know, wow, this movie almost didn't get me. Can you believe this movie got made at yeah. all? Yeah, exactly. Or I'm like, yeah, no kidding. Sin City 2 is another dumpster fire, but... Uh, we'll <laughs> that I fully agree with. I saw that in theaters. Me too. My friend, my friend really wanted to go see it. It's to date the only movie I've ever seen in 3D, too, because I live in small, podunk Canadian nowhere. Mm -hmm. The only movie I ever saw in 3D, and I'm like, oh my god, you only did this to make the actual A Dame to Kill for. Why didn't Rodriguez just film this in his goddamn garage and re-release the first one? That's a great idea. God damn it, because the rest of it is just just a waste. So useless, they make you wait to get to the one story you want, the actual A Dame to Kill For, yep. which when they do get around to it, yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's it's okay. But, until but it because isn't. It's part of a, yeah, and because it's part of a bigger movie, it has no beginning and no end, and it's just like, well, this story is technically a prequel to what we saw in Sin City 1, so yep. I already know how this is going to end. Dwight's going to be fine. Manute's <laughs> going to get his eye torn out, yep. and that's how it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. It was, and then uh, they wrote new shit for the end where it's like, hey, guys, Frank Miller wrote some new stuff for it, and I'm like, no, God, That's no. why I went. I was oh, like, to see the new shit. I have to see how goddamn horrible it is, and boy, did it deliver. Uh, not as much as, as uh, The Spirit did, though. Ooh. Now that's another one I saw in theaters. Me and two other people in the theater. You poor bastard. Oh, it was delight. It was it was a romp. I bought it on Blu-ray when it came out. <laughs> and by the way, when I say it came out, I mean like I bought it for a dollar in the Blu-ray oh. bin. Uh, because I'm like, I will, every once in a while, I want to laugh. It's like the room of superhero movies. The it spirit. Really and by the way, another example of that's not the spirit. That is like, that takes ideas of what the spirit is and then just fucks it <laughs> uh, 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 eisner is turning over in his grave somewhere i can't believe that was signed off on unbelievable yeah. i'm the octopus i got eight of everything toilets are funny oh my god i got egg just... on my face 
Sam Jackson dressed as a Nazi because reasons. Yeah. He's just going for it in that. They're just like, look, Sam, we're going to turn you loose. You do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. And we'll he, knows. <laughs> he knows. Oh, he knows how terrible knew. it is. Because he's been in good uh, things. He knows. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure he knew by like day one, this movie sucks. I'm going to I'm gonna go out there. I'm not going to be acting, but I'm going to be doing something. Yeah, he went, holy shit. Um, <laughs> now, I never watched uh, Veronica Mars, but I assume that was a pretty decent adaptation. <laughs> I never watched it either. No, okay, well, we'll talk about it. Um, I will say that there there are a bunch of shows that you know are out now that are in, impeccable adaptations, but also some that are not so impeccable. Uh, like yeah. if you were to compare the Netflix Marvel shows to mm. Arrow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is ironic because Arrow has shades of the things you want full costume death stroke uh it's true he shoots arrows when he's not taking his shirt off uh there's all kinds of great comic booky things in arrow just like in uh gotham when uh when he's not being poor man's batman when gotham is being batman minus batman yeah it's it's hilarious how boring gotham is without batman and yet how they keep trying to bend over backwards to try and give you the things you like without giving you Batman. They really need to just end the show. <laughs> it was a bad idea. You should have just done GCPD, Gotham Central. You yes. should have just done that show where Batman is alive and out there, but you never see him. Nope. You never see him. That's all you need. You can cast Gordon and that's it. And Renee Montoya and yeah. Harvey Bullock. You could basically cast the whole show. Yeah. And then you just never see Batman, and you can have all the villains you want. You can do whatever, just never show them. Not only did Gotham fuck up in that, but Gotham is just a bad, poorly written show on top of yes. that. It's 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 just garbage. It's um, it's it's a hot dumpster fire. I don't know how far in you watched, but when they brought in Renee Montoya, <gasps> said, "Oh, she was actually a former lover of Gordon's wife." I'm like, seriously? And then they show them drinking and doing pills because you know that's the that's the deviant gay lifestyle that we here at Fox <laughs> know all about. And I'm like, you you fuckers, you you are awful. And they keep doing that with their women characters too, like a Leslie Tompkins who is younger and hotter and a love interest of Gordon in the show. She basically gets walked all over, and that's fine. Yeah. And and the Riddler is a Big Bang character. He has undiagnosed Aspergers, like clearly, and he and he kills the abusive lover of a woman he's really into. And she's like, "Oh, I love you now." And I'm like, "See, everyone, he won her as a prize because he because he killed that abusive thing." Yeah. You know, remember that, job. kids? What terrible messages the show has. Yeah, that show. Yikes! They could have done GCPD. They should. They could have done Wayne. Where Bruce is just yeah. Kane from Kung Fu, going to different places, meeting people, getting into adventures, learning how to fight. Would have loved that. That would have been fine. All great ideas that are, that cost way less than having to recreate the the uh, the Arkham style gothic horror nature of Gotham. Uh, but mm. whatever. Uh, the, but the design of the show looks great. I'll give it that much. Like Gotham City itself looks, looks good. really yeah. good. Arkham Asylum looks good. Some of the cosplays that they have in there look pretty good. Yeah, that's true. Um, Let's let's look at some other uh, some other things. I understand that. Uh, okay, so here's something funny. I thought Green Lantern was a pretty faithful adaptation. With... I thought it was. I thought it was a dumb version of good stuff. I liked. I saw the shades of the Jeff John stuff in there, but that's all it was. Shades. They, they use the framework and then make it 
but then made it they they either got afraid of the material itself or they doubled down on it because there's no reason to have Toma Ray in that sh in that movie. Like there's no reason to have all of the core in that movie and for them all to be CG and there there was a lot there was a lot of problems. But like the the concept of Hal Jordan, the the the, the execution of the character was wrong, but like but if, if someone else in the role would have probably maybe not made it as jo as much of a joke. I don't know. Mm. It, it was funny. I, I remember watching it and being like, this is kind of ballsy. Like, they're kind of really going all in on the Green Lantern mythos. But, it, but it, a dumbed down version of yeah, it. Yeah, but like, what was it? Like, on paper, it works. But on but in execution, it doesn't. To me, it's like, hey, we here's the lost planet of Riot. Here's a bunch of planets and names and stuff you recognize from the comics. We just kind of put it in a blender and threw it out there, but it's there. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, 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 Gotham fans are giving me shit in the comment section. Yes, Brown, that happened later, though. <laughs> there was still a whole bit of it with it sucking. I don't care how it ended. It was horrible for multiple episodes. Yeah. Um, Here's another adaptation that is was horribly executed. X-Men Origins Wolverine. Mm. Mm. Um, <clears throat> because it, they had this problem where the the X-Men universe was created during a time when it was when it was shameful to read comic books. And yet when X-Men Origins Wolverine came out, comics had become more mainstream. So they were starting to draw from the well there. So you had to be faithful to the Wolverine character they had developed that was not comic book Wolverine, but then they wanted to use the comic book Wolverine origin mm. in that movie and but the, skip over all the best parts of oh, the yeah, Wolverine no, just show, origin in the opening credits. Yeah, just put it in, just shove it in the opening credits and, may, and and give it to the worst child actor you possibly could. Never have I seen like a movie like skip past so hard the stuff I actually wanted to see. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 go back. No, stop going into the future. No, stop. <laughs> yeah, no, that it's was true. what I wanted to see back there. Yeah, that montage where they're just like fighting wars. I'm like, these are all cool things we could watch. And these are we your movies right here. Why are you skipping past it? No, we got to get to the blob boxing scene. We I have to get to. That. We have to get to to Gambit being a helicopter pilot. <laughs> We got to get to one of the black-eyed peas looking a lot like Wraith from the comics, actually. Yeah. Talk about a shockingly, weirdly accurate piece of casting. Yeah, yeah. We got to get... We, we got we to gotta make the Origins line buried before... It, we got to all-star the Origins line as quickly as possible. Uh, we got to shoot you with a with an adamantium bullet, bullet, which is one of my favorite pieces of terrible put-the-genie-back-in-the-bottle-writing. Well, how did he lose his memory? Uh, adamantium bullet, I guess. What does that even mean? Like is an adamantium a bullet, bullet would just like it, it, technically that would just mean like either it's tr slightly stronger and so it would penetrate his skull, so you kill him. But no, it's the it it mucks with his memory. Like fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, though, The Wolverine was better. Obviously, they were taking some inspiration from, like, Frank from Miller's Claremont's Japan. And, yeah, and, uh, and, and uh, Miller's version. I, I dug the shit out of The Wolverine. Me too. I mean, you know, it's like, it's de it reminded me of, like, hey, let's make a late 80s Stallone Schwarzenegger picture, yeah. but cast Wolverine. And I'm like, all right. Yeah, I'm down. Uh, the only thing I had a problem with was how terrible that CG bear looked. I'm like, you couldn't <sighs> just get a bear. 
or a guy in a bear suit. When he kills sure. the bear, it just has to be fur. You don't. <laughs> it's so close I'm... up. You don't need to to cut to nothing and put CG wet fur there. Just put a dude in a suit. It'll look better than a CG bear. I don't know why I have such a problem with that CG bear. I think it's because you. I know how much things cost and so it's like you could just make the claws look better if you just didn't waste your money in this cg bear <laughs> that's movie make it right there spending your money on the wrong thing it's really unbelievable like we gotta have this scene it's gonna cost 80 million dollars but i want to see a cg bear <laughs> gotta I mean, have and by it. the way what made it sad was like when it made it so frustrating was that scene is supposed to be sad and poignant and i actually like i was like this is rough that poor bear! But it's so unbelievable that it's there at all that you can't get into it as much. Mm hmm. But, uh, yeah. Another, they, another sad thing about that movie is how they had the Wolverine costume at the end of it. You just never put it on, and they cut the scene of the movie of him opening it up and seeing the Wolverine costume. I posit that he would look fucking dumb. But, you, but he's got to wear it just I once. Don't wanna, I don't want. My characters to look dumb just because they wore the suit from the comic. I am Hugh a comic Jackman book fan. I love these comics. I prefer Wolverine in a costume sometimes. Actually, no, you know what? With Wolverine, I don't actually give a shit. For me, Wolverine is Wolverine whether he's wearing a flannel jacket mm. or a yellow spandex outfit. To me, it's just like, you know, Hugh Jackman has been Wolverine longer than we've had any Superman or any Batman. Just wear it once, That's damn true. it. All right, I, I, I will, I, you know what? They need it to look good, though. They can't just make it and then be like, put it on. Oh, that looks real bad. D did you ever think Ant-Man would look as good as he does? Did you ever think any of these other characters would look as good I as no they do? Of course I thought Ant-Man was going to look good. Ant-Man was like the ninth movie in an, in an eight-series success rate. Like, of course Ant-Man was going to work. It's just a helmet. Yeah. Like, I get that. I mean, you know... And ironically, I think the Captain America movie version looks way better with no mask on, which is hilarious because <laughs> I hate when superhero movies go, well, I always wear a mask, but I have to have a conversation where I convey emotion and I'm also being paid a lot of money and I want my mm. fucking face in this picture. I'm that looking at you, Tobey Maguire. Every opportunity he gets, he's like, okay, I'm everyone's hero right after I take off my mask and no one will... T ugh. I was just watching uh, Spider-Man 2 the other day. It was... It, ugh. I was going to say, Amazing Spider-Man is much worse than that for Garfield constantly taking his mask off at every opportunity. You know, I, I think it's about on par. Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man literally has an entire fight with those crooks in the rain, inexplicably with no mask on, just so you can tell that either Tobey Maguire or his stuntman learned how to do all of those neat tricks. And by the way, when you watch them in the scope of 9 or 12 great Marvel movies, that scene is horribly choreographed. You watch, you see all of Sam Raimi's stitches in those movies. We didn't know any better back then, man. It was yes, a simple, innocent you've made, time. You've made plenty of good superhero movies. Ah, Dread's a great adaptation because Dread is Hell not yeah, a character. <laughs> Like I don't want to, I don't want to learn about Dread's backstory or what or North what the loves you. of Dread. Dread is a monster who fucking kills people. He he is a he is a force of nature and a reaction to like to, to like a cyberpunkian view yep. of the world. It, it, that's cool. He is that I will use fascism to fight crime type guy. Yeah. I, I think Dread is a perfect adaptation of Judge Dread the comic. It's Agreed. actually in in many ways a little better. I like the uh, I like Dread the movie 
more than I like reading Dread comics. Dread comics Same. are a little a little too English for me, and I don't have any problem the, the, with the UK. They're an acquired taste for sure. Yeah, I have no problem with the UK and their influence and their culture. I love Shakespeare and all kinds of other uh, delectable, uh, you know, cultural niceties from that from that island. But uh, it, it, there's something about I, I like my parody a certain way. Mm-hmm. And that is so cemented in a time that I'm like, yeah, I don't want to read that anymore. <laughs> like, I want to watch Dread kick ass and be fascist, but I don't want to necessarily watch like I don't want to deal with like the politics of mutants. It's true. There's a lot of undercurrents there that they could have gone within the movie, but they just gave us a cool action movie. Yeah, and that's all I asked for is like basically in 1979, lost John Carpenter flick. I am so down. And I mean, they do touch on it a little bit with the sidekick girl who is psychic and, you know, who has all the other stuff. They touch on it just the oh, yeah, right amount. Just enough. That's why it's a perfect adaptation. It works so well. And it, yeah, just it just works really well. Uh, people keep bringing up Kingsman. That's another one Kingsman. there. Great yeah. adaptation from a thing people didn't know was a comic. Yeah. Another another well-kept secret. Yeah, I dug Kingsman, I guess. It's weird. I enjoyed oh, yeah. it. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun watching that. But it's just kind of like, I don't know. A lot I of people die out... in that movie. They sure do. And they play a, they play really fun, happy music with it. They sure do. Again, that's uh, again. Was that a Millar thing too? I think that's Mark Miller too. <laughs> that that is a very Mark Miller uh, thing. There, you know, that dude does not like people. It seems. No, no, he doesn't. Um, somebody mentioned three hundred. I think that's a perfect adaptation of the book. Say what you will about it's like historical mm-hmm. inaccuracies or whatever. No shit. But uh, if you but like it's it's painted beautifully and oh, yeah. uh, and each frame of the movie is a almost identical shot and it's it's a brilliant portrayal of that. It's really sure cool. Is. Hellboy's another one. Great adapt- great adaptation. I, I, I weirdly like the sequel to Three Hundred more because I actually felt there was more of a story there and some actual likable characters in that one. See, that's the thing. Once you once you make it about people. Then the world is stupid. Like it really you, is. You can't. You know what I mean? Like three hundred is a is a is a painting come to life. I, I'm not there to like learn about Leonidas's fears. <laughs> you know, it, uh, there's it, no it art. That sequ- no, there really isn't. You know, it is funny how that sequel more or less just shits all over the three hundred Spartans. Go like, wow, those guys were fucking dumb, weren't they? Yeah, which is like they just stood there like idiots. Like, fuck you, it's it, me. <laughs> but yeah, um, with the with the show with the uh, it's funny how where we are with adaptations where it's like. Now it's like, well, this is a comic book now. Like, you know, they're doing, I mean, like, look at the, look at the Supergirl and Flash stuff. We're seeing, uh, we saw that amazing uh, cover image, that recreation, oh, yeah. now that they cast Superman and Supergirl from Crisis on Infinite Earths. Mm-hmm. You, so, if you told me five years ago that they were going to literally show you the cover image from Crisis in real pictorial form, I'd be like, no way. And even on Flash in the previous season, they did the Flash of Two Earths. Yeah, they did. They recreated that image as well. Oh my God! Yeah, no, that mo- yeah that that image of the two of them racing against each other is amazing. The fact they have Shields. Jay Garrick in the show is a, is is a is a testament to its ability to adapt. And that their Jay Garrick is great, and that he's played by John Wesley Shipp, the dude from the '90s Flash show. Yeah, and he's good. He does a nice job. He's fun to watch. He does. Um, but it's funny how I'm like, I wonder if we're going to swing too far in the other direction where it's like, uh, it's got to be like this. As I understand it, I remember um, 
they were talk. Uh, Feige was being interviewed, and he was talking about uh, some director that he wanted. And I don't remember who it was. I don't remember which movie it is. One of the upcoming movies. But they want. They were like, we're looking for a director who will basically do what we ask him to do, because mm. we have. Uh, because we basically have the movie already done. And we need them to facilitate the plan because it needs to fit into all these different places in order to like make the 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 the, the full picture come into view. Part of a uh, bigger puzzle. Exactly. And what's blowing my mind is how like in comics they're like, well, just tell good stories, just put them out. I don't care. Whatever. We'll, we'll figure it out later. We'll put it together later. And in the movies, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't just do that because it violates continuity. It ruins our seven-year plan that we have for these franchises. But yeah, like, it, that, that's, that's what editors in comics are supposed to be doing, conceivably. And yet they're doing it in these movies. And it's like, it's funny how they, the roles are reversing. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, you have somebody who actually gives a shit at the top level who says, hey, Spider-Man would never do that. <laughs> as opposed to you know when batman indiscriminately murders people and he does With it guns. in every movie there's never a movie where batman says i can't kill anyone except for maybe the batman movie starring adam west yeah it's unbelievable yeah. it's just kind of crazy like w yeah we're we're in a weird place where adaptations really are. are 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 celebrated and and and, and Every every couple of weeks, there's another holy shit. It's true. <laughs> two uh, two great ones from the chat that uh, that uh, we haven't mentioned yet. One Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I know you're not the biggest Scott Pilgrim I am fan, not, Sal. You mentioned, but I recognize what they're doing. Mm. The pr the funny the funny thing is for me with Scott Pilgrim. <sighs> okay, onomatopoeias are there to make your to trick your brain into hearing a sound. Yep, that's why it's there. To put them in a movie with sound is weird. And I don't mean like it's weird, like you're so quirky, Edgar Wright. I mean like it's... I mean he is. I mean it's vexing because you're... I don't th it demonstrates for me a fundamental misunderstanding of the purpose that onomatopoeias and comic book medium conventions serve. You know, it's just... I think he had the... You know, when people get punched, this is kablam... I think he's doing that because I think he I think he thinks it looks really cool, not because he's trying to make you like feel like you're reading a comic book. Mm. What's what's interesting about Scott Pilgrim is that like uh, Brian Lee O'Malley, the creator, was involved in that every step of the way, which is kind of amazing because you don't see creator involvement on that level for the most part. Yeah, no, that's true. Well, no, I, I feel like you're getting more of that now. Like, like I said, Steve Niles, um, Miller's working on those movies that he mm. adapted. Uh, for the love of God, like, look at uh, look at those animated movie adaptations. I mean, Di Matteis oh, yeah. has ad has adapted a whole bunch of uh, work from his fellow colleagues. Definitely, I mean that that's almost like a whole episode of itself. I would say those animated movies do the adaptations better than just about anyone else, due in part to the fact that they let the creators get involved. Hell, I, I think I just, I thought I saw Brubaker's name on Westworld yesterday. Really? And I was like, that's too specific a name. It's gotta be Brubaker. And it's like, wow, they're like some of these, some of these key holders from the, you know, from the comic book kingdoms are, are breaking in and doing other things. And it's, and they're, and, and, and they're being kind of trusted with the, with, with the kingdom. It's kind of interesting. 
Yeah, good for him. Uh, another one that the chat was mentioning, it's one that I think has kind of already been forgotten, which is sad because it was very underrated and it died way too early. The Constantine Show. Oh, I feel so bad for that show because it's like, that's the one they didn't bring back. They put the him in. The one they got right, too. Yeah, they put him in the thing. Like, they put him on, uh, what did they put him on, Arrow? Uh, yeah, he got one cameo after the fact and it led to nothing. Yeah, that sucks. And Matt Ryan, he'll get back to do the voice in the Justice League Dark movie cup coming out, the yeah. animated one. Whoop to do. But and yeah. that show, talk about a show that did everything right. He smoked. He was kind of a jerk ass. It was everything it needed to be. Uh, Chaz the cabbie was there. They mentioned Nergal. They basically said, hey, if you guys keep watching this show, we'll do Dangerous Habits. We'll do Garth Ennis, the one that you like. Yeah. Give us a season and we'll get to it. No. And they built up and they never did. <laughs> they didn't get there. Yeah. Yeah. That's – you know what? That's proof that, you know, we still have some work to go, to do. I mean the fact is – it was on the wrong network. It was at made the wrong by, time it came on the out wrong, at the wrong night. time, wrong night, wrong time year wise for it to come out. It was, it was a, it was, it was a bad scene all around. Um, you know, you look at uh, you look at that movie Constantine, and you ask about like uh, faithful adaptations. I mean, like, there's he smokes like a chimney, in like a really un, in, in like a deliberately unhealthy way. Like you're like, wow, that's a lot of smoking. Like they really play up the the whole the the culture, the world, the but it's Keanu Reeves. Keanuing his way through this performance, <laughs> so it doesn't quite work. Um, but I, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff about that movie. It's just not a great adaptation. Like, or it's it's a it, it's more of a reimagining than an adaptation. Yeah, yeah. Oh definitely. yeah, people are mentioning Preacher. I fucking hate that show. I think it's a horrible yeah. adaptation of the show. I wasn't so. even going to mention Preacher to Sal because I didn't want to see his blood boil over. I hate it. I think it's. I think it's terrible. It's I, I watched quite a bit of it actually. I don't think I ever finished the season, but I actually watched a fair amount of it. Yeah. Mainly because I was watching with another person who had no like frame of reference for oh, Preacher. You need something like you can't just. Oh, oh you can't you just be like, here. It was it was the funniest experiment. The reason I kept doing it was mainly because you know every episode I'm like they did 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 they just do the thing and then they were filled with questions. I wish I filmed it because it was actually quite an interesting exchange because they had the best question. They're like, "What the hell's up with the cowboy? We keep going back to why do they keep showing me the cowboy?" Uh-huh. And I'm like, "That's the saint of killers. Yeah, he's actually really important. I don't know if we'll actually get to him or not by the time this is done." Yeah. Such a terrible show. It's... V for Vendetta. That's another interesting case because you know the V for Vendetta comic isn't really about V; it's about other people, and you see V through their eyes. And V is not the hero in any way. He is not mm. supposed to be admired or revered. I like the movie more than the comic book when it comes to V. Mm. Uh, I think the V. I think the comic is a little self-indulgent. I think it's. Uh, I, I think it asks too many, I think it asks more questions than it seeks to answer. And, uh, the movie is an interesting adaptation of that work, uh, where it tries to do something. It tries to tell a different sort of story. You can't just, yeah. you could make the friend out of the comic book, but it would be like a, like very dark. And it would be kind of like, it would be more like, like the movie pie where it's like, why did you do that? You know, at the end of the, <laughs> at the end of the movie, you're just kind of like, what the fuck was that all about? Um, where, whereas like the Wachowskis are not in the business of making movies 
that, uh, that, that have really, really limited appeal, despite the fact that they make movies that have really, really limited appeal. Yeah. Uh, you know, because <laughs> those true. Matrix movies, I don't know who the fuck they're for. I think they're for the Wachowskis and no one else. <laughs> or at least everyone after the first one. Yeah, the first one's a perfect Campbellian recreation of the Hero of, the of a Thousand Faces. The second and third one are a desperate uh, realigning of a direction. Stories, when you're when you're a creator, or even if you're just a connoisseur of stories, stories go have, have, seem to have their own direction. You know, people you have people say like, you know, uh, a character. I didn't create a character that I just gave the character words and they came to life. You know, that kind of thing. Stories have a, a natural direction that they go in and really, really creative people have the ability to kind of circumvent that or trick you in thinking that it's not going to do that. And then it does. Tarantino's really good at telling a story and making it look like it's going to like, like make it look like it's not following natural story con uh, conventions, but they actually do. Mm. The Wachowskis were just so desperate to tell some fucking thing that mattered to them really, really badly that despite the natural direction that this story was going in, they were like, no, and they just pulled like it was like the ship was just was just leaning in the wind and they went, no, fight the wind. And they did. <laughs> and it went right into a storm because fucking when you when you put agenda before store before before creativity or before story, you will fail every time. It's yeah. like Lucas. George Lucas was like, I want to tell a thing about this. I want to do something different. And it's like, if you... Star Wars is just Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. All three movies are just one Joseph Campbell story. Yeah. If you want to do something different, you either have to tell a very different version of the story, or you have to do... Or you have to be more creative to obfuscate the obviousness of it. What he did, there's no arc, there's no protagonist, there's, it just, he's doing something very different and good for him, God bless him for wanting to be different and tell a very different thing. When I heard that, by the way, I remember him talking about it, he's like, you know, Disney wanted to tell like a retro movie and I always wanted to do something different than what I did before. Mm -hmm. I admire that, but you you're telling a story about characters in a fictional world you created to service the hero's journey. That's, you know, all the other things that spun out of it are, are window dressing, but right. if you don't use the hero's journey, you, then you're, then you're lost. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, uh, anyway. the chat brought up an interesting one talking about, uh, Fables v. Once Upon a Time as oh. far as adaptation goes. Uh, yeah, for a second there, it seemed like they were going to make a Fables show. Then they're like, ah, screw it, we'll just make our own. Wasn't that literally, it was an adaptation of Fables, and then they didn't get the rights, or they didn't want to do it, and so they just went, ah, just call something else. There's There was a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff there. Apparently they had the dude in, but they couldn't come to terms, and they're like, well, I know we're Disney, we'll just make a Disney version of it with all our characters then, why not? We'll yeah, do it that way. that's what they did. Uh, something that did was actually a pretty good Fables uh, adaptation. The Wolf Among Us, the Telltale video game, was a really strong adaptation, actually, of you that know, world. We didn't even talk about video game and game adaptations, and it's funny how uh, they they also have the same level of like those people got it right, those people got it wrong. I I think Telltale has the perfect uh, what is it kind of like trademark on these. All their adaptations so far have been great, from Game and of Thrones. To Walking Dead That's and true. everything in between. Batman, uh, Rocksteady also 
did a great adaptation of Batman and distilled that character sure did. in a really, really brilliant way. Um, it, it helped that they had Paul Dini helping out. Yeah, I mean, well, and that's just because they wanted to tell the most authentic Batman story they could. They brought somebody who knew the character instead of being like, I got this. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool. I, I, I let's, appreciate Let's get a guy it. who knows his shit, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, have you seen The Tick on Amazon yet? No, you you dissuaded me from it. Yeah, it's uh, it's not great. It's uh, it's not the tick. It's something else, and I, I I feel bad because Ben Edlund is such a great writer. He's such a great creative person, and uh, I feel bad that he, he he thinks he needs to keep making the tick again. <laughs> you like, can do other stuff, dude. Yeah, like he made the tick as a comic book. It came out like once every year. It just took him forever to make that book. And then he got that 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 unheard of cartoon deal where it was a perfect version of the show or of the of the character, <laughs> and then he did that other show with Michael Warburton or with uh, Patrick Warburton that was just it again but in a different format, and Amazon's tick is just it again with a different format slash approach. It's like Aww. each one is an is a snapshot of the time from which it came, except for the cartoon show, which I think is a little ahead of its time, but. Uh, it was parodying shit as it happened. Exactly, it was unbelievable. But uh, but the new show is is wow, uh, yeah. Like uh, here, Tick might not even be real. Hmm. Yeah, fucking no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's weird. But anyway, uh, it's funny and it, it's hilarious because that's an adaptation from the guy who made the damn thing. <laughs> yeah, showing that even the creator sometimes misconstrue their own material yeah uh joel any other uh adaptations you want to like just give a quick shout out to or any thoughts that you want to share that we that uh before we wrap up oh i feel like i'm missing so many i know i feel like him too but it's because every comic book movie video game show is in essence an adaptation unless they decided just take the name and then do whatever they wanted with it and there's plenty of examples of that as well uh, I quite like Sin City, the first one. You know, first I know uh, Rod- Rodriguez even got in trouble because instead of using storyboards, he just used panels from the comics Which and that is... pissed off the storyboard union. Yeah, you know, fuck them. Like that. that... <laughs> fuck them storyboard guys. Listen, F you. Like the fact is, I, whenever I feel like getting back into making movies, I watch Sin City because it's such a great uh, experience when you're watching, cause it's, it's a perfect adaptation of the comic and it's yep. also a great experience making movies. Like anytime, if you ever want to, like, if you ever think you want to make movies, get a whole bunch of early Rodriguez flicks, get them on oh, DVD yeah. and watch his behind the scenes and listen to his commentaries. He's a real workman creator. Even on his DVDs, doesn't he have like his five minute film school where he's like, okay, and this is how you do movies. Literally his five minute film school and his audio commentaries are, are an entire semester of film school. Yeah, they're a masterclass. They're great. Yeah. Somebody mentioned The Max. The Max is, I wouldn't even call it an adaptation. It's literally the comic book come to life. Each episode is an issue of the book. They Mm. even got the darker image issue of The Max in the show. Nice. It's a perfect adaptation of The Max. It's not even an adaptation. It's literally just Sam Keith went, here's the comic. And Wow. And he, it's funny, he he was interviewed recently and said something to the effect of, they gave me more more control than I probably had any business having. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. to talk about another weird adaptation, The Mask, which is a lot more spirited. That's another one where they were like, form. it's a comic, but don't tell anybody. Yeah, that's a big one. Mask is solid. 
Yeah, I agree. Does it hold up? Yeah. <laughs> kind of not. I will say. I, I like I like the cartoon they made, and they made an Ace Ventura cartoon at the same time. Then over. they crossed over Ace Ventura and the Mask cartoon. Yes, remember when Ace's butt became the Mask? I do remember that. <laughs> That's a thing that happened. That's a thing that happened. Damn it. Also, the, the Spawn cartoon from HBO, that was a pretty good adaptation. Maybe the best adaptation. Yeah, it might be, because it just distilled all the things that work about Spawn. The only thing was, the animation is really not great. It's It tricks you, because it has these really cool noir moments. It's shit you never see in uh, animation, but they reuse it, like the Spider-Man cartoon. And, and it's just like, damn it. It's I also sure really do. slow. It's a very it slow is. show. I was trying to watch it, it recently, and I'm like, this is a very... And for no reason. Like, it was very slow. It's, very, it's slow, it's talky, and it also makes use of that, like, music video-style editing. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I have the first three seasons of that on Laserdisc somewhere. Wow. Uh, I have my Laserdisc player in my attic. Um, <laughs> As where it should be. I have HBO on demand, and Spawn is on there too. I was like, "Wow, I can really? I can demand it any time, or I can That's... look it up on YouTube because somebody put up all the shows." They did. No, no one's chasing after that Nobody. one for whatever reason. <laughs> I remember in all the Wizard magazine, they were they were they were plugging that Spawn show, like the, that Spawn show. McFarlane was developing it, and he got like because it was 1997 and it was like the year of Spawn. He was like tripping over studios trying to do this the Spawn show. And there's a, there's a shot in, it's all darkness, and it's just McFarlane looking at a television, a big TV, with an image of Spawn animated with his eyes glowing. <laughs> and it says, the caption is like, McFarlane is reviewing a test piece of animation from a potential studio he ultimately rejected. <laughs> you know what's great about it? if you have those laser discs, you actually get to listen to McFarlane's commentary on the Spawn That's thing. awesome. Does it have all like, those awful intros where it goes, I'm Todd McFarlane, creator of Spawn. And he just like... Yes, it, just yes, it does. Rambles His own on Tales from the Crypt sure does. It's so fucking weird. Is, is Do I remember it correctly? Is he in like a stupid chair and it's like dumb? It's like it's like looks like a set from Scare Tactics? He's in a mausoleum. He's like in some weird mausoleum ah, with a bunch of skulls yes. and stuff. And he comes walking in. Hello, I'm Todd McFarlane. I want to show you something very terrifying. This awful Canadian accent. He's just, I'm Todd McFarlane, creator of Spawn. I remember that's how he opened every single show. And of course, me being a child during that time, being like, because oh, like that's another thing. The only comic book creator that was in the public eye that was allowed mm. to be on television, movies in your in your face was Stan Lee. So Todd McFarlane, yeah. creator of Spawn, the only thing that, that, that rivaled that was Rob Liefeld being in a Levi's jeans commercial. It's it's true to say that Todd McFarlane is the biggest fan and biggest promoter of Todd McFarlane. No question. Todd McFarlane is the best Todd McFarlane salesman you'll ever see. <laughs> he is, and he's sold him pretty hard. He's also great at buying time. balls. They become worthless the next year. Yeah, way to go, Todd. McFarlane's not good with his own money, as history has shown. No. Although, I mean, like, he's still, well, you know, that's a great question. You know, I don't know. I, he, okay, if you ever pick up that issue of Spawn where he meets Cerberus, they do an image of Todd's house, and it's a fucking mansion. Of course it and is. And I guarantee you it's a real adaptation of his of his house. I also guarantee you don't live in that house no more. <laughs> you know, we, here's the thing. We should make it a tie into Super Suits, the show I do on Nerds, and we should do an episode on comic book lawsuits. Oh, yeah. 
there's some excellent ones I've researched. Yeah. Many of which star McFarlane in oh. a main role. That's the thing. I feel bad for McFarlane because the dude just wanted, like me, like to name some characters after people that he admired or was friends with, and they fucked him. And they all took him to court, and most of them won. Yeah, because he didn't think about that. The, the, but then you hear about like the whole gaming thing, and you're like, okay, Todd, maybe you're not so cool. Oh, no. Him. Oh, no. What do you did with, yeah, that was not cool. I haven't covered that one yet because that's going to be like two episodes. Yeah, yeah. Because that's like years worth of material you got to dig through. It's true. <laughs> and in um, the end, the Marvel Universe got Angela. And then what happened to Angela? Nothing really. Oh, man. What a rich, great character who's been doing a lot of amazing things in Marvel now. It's true. Not even a, she didn't even a book. Nope. Got canceled. Not even a mention. Not even a mention, even though she's the, thir she's the sister now of Thor and Loki. She's not even in a fucking uh, in Civil War 2. Nope. She's off doing something. She's in hell. Wasn't she like Queen of Hell for a bit? Yeah. I thought, that no, was the book fun. was just called Queen of Hell. I don't know. I don't know if she even got a chance to become Queen of Hell yet. I think they just bent into the book. They're like, that. Was that only like three issues and they were done with it? They were like, that's, that's enough. That's plenty. Like, that was <laughs> this not experiment worth... has gone on too long. That was not worth the money. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a nice little screw you to McFarlane putting her in our universe. Remember when we all thought the Miracle Man was going to show up? Oh, I remember that so hard. Yep. Wouldn't that have been something? Hey, everyone, it's me, Miracle Man. Hey, watch me go the way of Century and be really important and then not. Uh, always Dark in the chat says apparently she was in Vote Loki, that series, before it ended. Oh, okay. She was in a book that no one cared about or read and then got canceled. That's right. I remembered the first issue of Vote Loki. Loki made her the head of his, like, presidential security team. That's funny, I guess. It's cute. She didn't have a line. She just looked grimacingly at people. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. Well, Aww. anyway, that's another episode of Elseworlds Exchange. Thanks so much for watching, gang. Uh, listen, before you go, uh, stick around because later tonight, our Halloween special is going Ooh. to be launched. It's of back issues. It's just a Halloween episode, but definitely watch it because it's a lot of fun. Stay to the end. I know a lot of you guys who watch YouTube videos love to, to end when you think it's over. <laughs> that's why people always put a little extra at the end. I, it's, it's bizarre for comic book fans who know to stay for the end of the credits because there's mm -hmm. always going to be a little extra. There's always, always a little extra. A and nobody stays. So stick around because it's a lot of fun. It's pretty great. And it'll be out around 8 o'clock p.m. our time, Eastern Standard Time. But, uh, Joel, what else is happening over on Cape Joel and for the rest of the week? Uh, well, you know, if you check out over on my channel uh, later tonight, I, of course, will have the new Detective Comics issue up there for review. It's the new kickoff to this storyline, The Victim Syndicate. We've got a whole new team of villains now to fight the Bat family and even the return of some beloved uh, Bat family members who we haven't seen in a long time. Quite a few show up, actually. I was surprised some of the deeper pulls they do. Cool. Yeah. Well, there you have it, everybody. So we'll see you guys next time on another episode of Elseworlds Exchange. Uh, don't forget to check this out in audio format on iTunes or on SoundCloud. Just search for Comic Pop and or Elseworlds Exchange. You will find it. Subscribe, watch, and enjoy. And we'll see you guys next time with another episode. I am Sal, and this is Joel. Oh, oh sorry. I took that's, away. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. You all know my name by now, or at least you should. You all know, know him, and we'll see you guys next time. So thanks a lot for watching, gang. Hello.